shop with your favourite cousins, James and Alex Fitzgerald. Cuz, give us a wave. Hey. Hello. <laughs> hey. <laughs> now, now. Yeah. Now, this this is a late conversation to be having when I'm, you know, now 30 or some 31. You're about to turn 32. But I recall. <laughs> Matt, I'm about to turn 33. 30 plus GST. There you go. I've I've That's given it. you, I've knocked off a few Thank years. Thank you. Must 30X be that cream, GST. Yep. That lovely cream that you're using. Now, I recall when we were kids and you lived around the corner from me, we weren't in different states like we are now. Mm-hmm. You had Star. You yes. had Star, and it was the best. I did not. Didn't have cable TV till I was about 16 <laughs> years old and by that point I was too busy to be watching it. But. Yep. Iconic 90s TV shows because we all lived on the TV and then maybe Game Boy a little bit later, but nothing else really sort of existed in the world of electronics. Yeah. I want to know, All-Star or Free-to-Air, obviously Mm -hmm. Cheese TV or or ABC Kids, Mm -hmm. what kids show were you absolutely sprinting home to watch after school? Uh, Well, after school, around the twist. Which, which I think was on uh, ABC at the time. Oh, my God. So have you ever? Yeah. Oh, Around the twist. Like this. That and is then, so good. Yeah. And then, but we, to be honest with you, I had, I had the most fights with my mum about a before-school program. So she'd want <laughs> yeah. to take us to school at 7.45, which was smack bang in the middle of Dragon Ball Z. Um, <laughs> Like started at 7.30, went to late. <laughs> so I'd always miss the second half of Dragon Ball Z episodes and have to get uh, the update off our friends. Anyway, no, what, what, what was yours? Have to get the update off my friends. You're at school really early, like catching up on homework and you're waiting for... I'm like, oh, did Goku be a freezer? What happened? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, carry oh, on. You're waiting for Hickey to rock up so you can ask him what happened. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's so good. Um, or Fruity, obviously. Um, mine, interestingly, tried to sneak in a few morning morning sessions um, but was never allowed to watch TV in the morning because mm. I got up so late. But in the morning they played Saddle Club and it was the best, best show ever. You look Saddle at it like Club, you just, yeah. you, you do. No, oh, no, no. God. Well, I had two sisters so I'm, I'm aware yeah. of it. I can't, oh, can't say that I watched it but, but I am aware thank of God. it. Yeah. And then when I would come to your house or another family friend who had Ozstar and yep. were the luckiest kids in the world, I was busting to put Nickelodeon on because I thought Nickelodeon was the absolute bee's knees because yeah. we didn't have it, and watch the Amanda show. Best show yeah. ever. Yeah, Nickelodeon. And I was, Nickelodeon. Yeah. Amanda, and I was Amanda, Amanda Bynes. Amanda Bynes. Um, Amanda Bynes. Yeah, Google her now. Yeah, woof. Yep. I know. Child stars. But seriously, I- Saddle Club and the Amanda show, and any time you hear those introductions to like – those key shows that just are the fundamental, like sticky tape to your to, to your kid uh, childhood, they just are the best throwback mass, ever. Mass nostalgia. Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I like uh, that. Good way to start one. the pod. And I said, "Hey, what a wonderful kind of day, Arthur's World." Is that what yeah. it's called? And you can learn to walk and play. Anyway, good answers, cows. <laughs> good answers, <laughs> and get along with each other. <laughs> Oh, such a nice message, that one. Well, we really could have gone on forever there. 
got about a list of another 50 TV shows. I loved TV when I was a kid. I reckon we've almost got a full album of you singing <laughs> in, in podcasts. <laughs> I wasn't expecting you to say that. Yeah. Hey, talk about, oh, uh, let's man. talk about interstate investing. We both do it and have done it. Um, mm. It's not for everyone. Um, there's pros and cons to it. Um, give me a pro. Oh, it's like a pop quiz. We're back to pop quiz. Oh, well, let's go through, yeah, let's go through no, the, no, the pros and cons. Okay, pro of investing in another state. Um, my first one would be that you get to ride a different market cycle um, assuming you already own, you know, within the state you live or, in, or another state. You get to mm. ride a different market cycle um, because the markets cycle at different times. Uh, and if I if I can give sort of a bit of an example of the last decade, if you will, um, Sydney started cycling um, and when, when I say cycling, sorry, uh, it started to show significant growth into double-digit growth from about 2014, um, maybe 15, and then it grew for a couple of years. And then we saw a massive cycle in Melbourne, double digits from sort of 2016, 17 into 2018. Um, and then interestingly enough, Brisbane started to go through a cycle and see growth, um, not quite double digits, but towards the back end of 2019. Um, then obviously COVID hit, um, paused for a while, and then it just went bananas again with low interest rates and, and incentives. And then we saw um, all capital cities cycle uh, pretty much. But um, basically they, they go sort of one after the other. And if you can own in mm. a different state to yourself or in, in multiple states, then can ride a cycle at a different time. And look, we're, Which, we're geeking out a little bit here, but the, 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 way, that, <laughs> so, the way that the property sorry. markets work and, and people who have regularly listened might have heard us say this, but the median house price roughly doubles every 10 years. But if you look at the data, every single capital city in Australia, Brisbane, Sydney, Melbourne, Perth and Adelaide, the, the main ones at least, mm. although they double in 10 years, in about two to four years they see at least 80% of the growth. So mm. it's sort of flatlines, 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 and then you see massive growth and then flatlines, flatlines, flatlines. So you're really only seeing growth for two out of maybe maybe even four out of 10 years, whereas as you just alluded to, if you jump into Sydney, then Melbourne, then Brisbane, et cetera, you, you could see significant growth eight or nine years out of a 10-year window, which mm. you wouldn't get if you're just in one market. I, I think it's absolutely the biggest pro to mm. investing in different states. Another part of it is is price point as well, isn't it? Like, you know, Adelaide at Absolutely. the moment really cheap. Wouldn't be able mm. to get anything in Sydney, for, for example, for, for what you're getting in Adelaide, could you? Well, that's right. And a lot of people say, all right, so I live in Sydney, so, you know, I've got to buy somewhere in New South Wales. I can only afford, I guess, sort of regional in the middle of nowhere in New South Wales. Okay, well, you know, you could do that. Or you could go into another state and still be within 30, 35 kilometres of a capital city. Mm. Um, so you can leverage off that infrastructure, the jobs um, and the population growth and, and still be within that fringe and um, buy within your means. Yeah, or, you know, or, or you might get a small old unit, for example, for the same price you get a brand new block of land with a house on it in, in a different area. Great um, example. They're, they're, the, they're the, the things that you, you can do if you're willing to look outside of the one market. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the other one, the other big one for me is cash flow. Um at different times, you see your your, your cash flow um, fluctuate in terms of what rental return you get. So Sydney and Melbourne, where we've seen a lot of growth in the last decade or two, 
they're only getting probably a three, three and a half percent rental yield at the moment, mm. which when interest rates are at six percent, they're about, you know, that, that means you're forking out a lot out of your own pocket. Yeah. Um, if you can get into markets where, say, Adelaide or Brisbane, where you might get like a five percent return, uh, that makes a massive difference to your cash flow, doesn't it? Huge difference. And you know, it's, it's funny, I sat down with Jenny in our office who's got 10 pro- properties uh, plus her own and and she sort of reflected over the last 15 years and she said she's got Sydney, Perth, uh, Victoria, um, sorry, I'm going from capital city to state, but Sydney, Perth, Victoria um, and Queensland. And she said, interestingly as well, when some properties in some states have grown, um, mm. their rents have sort of, you know, subsided, but the other rents in the other states have gone up and then I sort of haven't had growth in those. So you don't always get everything all at once. I have to say the last sort of three years has been a real anomaly uh, due to COVID and, and low interest rates where we've seen prices go up and rents go up. Uh, so it's a, it's a little bit of an anomaly in that regard. But, um, yeah, diversifying through states through your portfolio is is very advantageous. And then and then there's the net component to it. So you've got a, a thing called land tax, which mm. is a state-by-state tax. So um, if you own more than a certain, and, and maybe we park this because it's its own subject because every <laughs> state's different. So it's, it's yes. a minefield. Uh, but basically, um, if you have properties in different states, you can pay no land tax. Whereas if you've got more than, you know, two properties in, in any given state, you're probably paying land tax, which is, mm. you know, as much as 1% of, of the land value. So it could be thousands of dollars a year, which again, just comes out of your, your overall returns. That's right. Exactly. So you can, you can avoid land tax uh, going into a new state. Maybe not altogether, but we'll talk about it. The cons, obviously you can't be there. That's the biggest con, isn't it? You can't be there and yeah. you don't know the area. So, so it, yeah. it, it's uncomfortable. It is uncomfortable. That's probably the best way to put it. And you've got to You've got to get comfortable with being relatively uncomfortable, but it's like anything. You need to, you know, do your appropriate due diligence before you buy and go and get to know the area and, and I guess what's driving it for growth and, and cash flow. And, you know, you do need a property manager that you can trust. You need uh, so good people, absolutely. You, you good do. people to put you into the right area in the, in the first yeah. place who know the yeah. local area and then and then good people to manage it. Absolutely, absolutely. Is there any other cons? Not really. No, I don't think so. No, I mean it's a fairly well, significant con, though. It's quite uncomfortable. You really got to, um, yeah, you really got to get get your ducks lined up with the right people. Mm. Well, there you go. Pros and cons of investing in another state. Should you do it? Well, yeah, we think so. I think you have to if you want multiple properties. It's Absolutely. really hard to do that in one state. Absolutely. So we just talked about one of the biggest cons when it comes to investing in another state and and it's probably a a massive con for people when it comes to and and detraction from investing full stop Mm. is having someone who's going to deal with the tenant and the property on your behalf and having the right person to do that. So I thought we'd maybe talk about property managers. Uh, I use two or three around Australia uh, they're all different. Um, I've had mixed experiences over the time. What would you say are the things that you need to look for in a property manager to make sure that you have a good experience? Okay, so my personal thing is I love a property manager who will pick up the phone and and call you. So a great communicator. 
Uh, I can think of one of my property managers who is a particularly great communicator. And I think that's honestly what makes her a fantastic property manager. Um, anytime something happens or she wants to run something by me, she just picks up the phone and she calls me. I've had experiences before where other property managers, they, they just want to email you or they don't really tell you. And, you know, there's the, the communication really is lacking. And, um, I guess that's really a metaphor for life. Communication is key. Definitely believe that. Um, that, that's my first and foremost thing. So when you're going to look for a property manager in the area that you may be, you know, buying a property or you've just, oh, you've just bought one. Um, I would sort of, you know, make a few phone calls to the ones that are relatively close by. So, you know, they're within about a 20 to 30 minute drive of your property. I, I like that too. Um, just give them a call and mm-hmm. so see how they are on the phone. Ask them, you know, how often are they in contact with their, uh, landlords and, and their tenants. And, you know, you can sort of get a bit of a feel for them over the phone. I would completely avoid the email intros sort of thing in, in my personal experience. Cuz? Yeah, I would say the last thing that I look at is the fee. And what I mean by that is so many people say, <laughs> oh, you know, 7%, 8%. You save 1% um, and, and you nothing. should pay about 8%, give or take. To save 1%, it's, it's 5 or 10 bucks a week for most people Seriously, mm. compared to the the cost and inconvenience in, in terms of your time and stress, if you don't have a good property manager, so not worth it. Um, you know, the big, big thing for me is I, I agree on the communication. I, I sort of, I guess, to go a step further than that, I always tell them when, when I get a new property manager, look, I, I prefer to be called. Um, I'm yeah, not, a, yeah. not an email person. Call me, um, confirm it in an email, sure. But, yeah. you know, I'm, I'm more, I'm more um, comfortable on the phone. Uh, three things I love the property manager to do. Number one, four property inspections a year. Not all of them do that. Absolutely. Every quarter. Absolutely. I want uh, an inspection with a report and photos just so I can Mm. read it, make sure that I've got peace of mind that, yep, everything's okay. Agree, Uh, agree. And push them to do that, by the way. A lot of them won't do it, but you've got to push them. Push Mm. them to do it. Uh, Yeah. Second thing, non-negotiable they've got to pay the bills. And what I mean by that is my rates, uh, maintenance, mm. any bills that come in r- other than maybe the insurance, which is a, a once a year bill, I get them to pay all the bills so that at the end of the year, when I send the tax off to brother-in-law Tom, uh, <laughs> I just print off one page that they send me with all the rent paid, less all the expenses, get my interest statement and my insurance done, admin done for that property. And then the third thing is I, I really do look at the turnover. I think if you've, if you've got a mm. property management business where you're getting a new property manager every two to three months, it's not a good thing. Um, so if you can, you know, find somewhere where there is a low rate of turnover, I think it's, it's going to bode really well for your experience and, and your level of comfort in what you're doing. I couldn't agree more with everything that you've just said. And, and honestly, whether your property manager is, is interstate or local, um, I would be still looking at all of these things because th- their job is to ensure that your investment property runs really smoothly. Your, your, you know, your tenants are relatively happy and that you know what's going on. It doesn't matter if they're, they're local or, or they're interstate. They've got to be doing all of these things so that you are not. You've got to be going to your nine to five, you know, chugging along with your life and, and they're doing it the sort of back and forth heavy lifting. But couldn't agree more. The last thing is fees. And um, when you really break it down, it's really not a big factor. All the other things matter so much more. Agree. 
Okay, so last week we alluded to the fact that the Brisbane City Council made a massive change to their town plan. Uh, hey, told you I'd come back with some research, but maybe to start us off, we have seen a shed this week <laughs> that is being rented for a thousand bucks a month in Sydney for a shed. A shed, How? no less. Is that just the best thing you've ever heard? It's so smart. It's so efficient. It's probably like that's extremely affordable. It's about 250 bucks a week. That's fantastic. I'd live in a shed. And by the way, we should probably link this in our show notes because when we say shed, it, it's it's a very nice shed. Oh, yeah. I think shed alludes to like literally t- four tin walls um, and a tin roof. But no, 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 it's, it's actually quite lovely. Now, um, it doesn't say the cost of the shed, but to rent it out for a thousand bucks, what's that? Twelve thousand dollars a year. Um, mm-hmm. I am sure it didn't cost more than what four or five grand by the looks of these pictures. Mm-hmm. Absolutely stunning. Obviously, you've got to come in with uh, your own furniture, of which you won't need much. <laughs> no, I love it though. This is smart kind of stuff in a time where we've got really low rental property um, listings. Um, and we've got rents skyrocketing, and this in Sydney is a sensational product. Now, I'm not sure how they're going to feel about sheds in Brisbane City Council. No, maybe not sheds. Mm. No, no. Um, And that's a fast and loose word because this is a very nice shed. But let's move over to Brisbane. We talked about it last episode. They've pretty much allowed, as of right, you can build and lease out your granny flat to a completely unrelated party to you, as in not family, tenant it out. You can put it through a property manager um, and you can make a return and also provide housing for somebody. Walk us through it. Outside of allowing unlimited heights around train stations, this we, this is the greatest thing that, that any council, any government could do to mm-hmm. provide affordable housing for, for, for Australians. Um, so by way of, I guess, background, Essentially, in every part of Australia except New South Wales, you cannot build a second dwelling, they mm. call it, uh, a granny flat, a Fonzie flat. You can't build them unless you get a council approval. Yeah. And the council approval normally won't be given unless um, you've got a, a big block of land or um, you're renting it out to someone who's related to you. So it's, it's basically just an extension of your house. So mm. really hard to do. Um that has changed, though. Um, so, so in uh, late last year, we mentioned the Queensland State Government came out and said, we're going to allow granny flats and Fonzie flats in, everywhere in, in, in Queensland as of right. The problem with that is that all of the councils prohibited it. So you had this situation if you were a <laughs> property investor or a homeowner where you were saying, I could go and build the granny flat because the Queensland Government law trumps the council law, but the Queensland Government law, they only said they'd allow it for two years. So you were left thinking, well, what happens at the end of two years? Could I, yeah. could I get fined? Could they try and make me pull it down? Like what, what would happen? Uh, Brisbane City Council, biggest council in the Southern Hemisphere on 10th of March, very recently, it's had very little media attention, said, no, we're going to apply the Queensland State Government policy on every part of Brisbane. You can build a granny flat, just go through your certifier and, and check the setbacks. Huge because prior to that you could only do it if you had 3,000 square metres of land or more in Brisbane. So this means anyone can go and build a granny flat, Fonzie flat in their backyard on top of their garage. 
they cost about a hundred to one hundred and fifty thousand dollars, depending on mm-hmm. how you do it, and you'll get about four or five hundred dollars a week. So you're getting twenty to twenty five thousand dollars a year return on your call at one hundred and fifty thousand dollars. Huge. I think it is an absolute no brainer for first time oh. buyers and empty nesters. Last week when we recorded, I've gone straight to Near Maps, found my Brisbane City Council property, <laughs> figured out the side yard that I'm going to basically dedicate. And uh, look, it, it's tight, but I'm going to figure out how to do this because if I only need to get up to sort of 65 to 80 square metres, like that's very generous. I've been in apartments that size or, or even smaller that have been very spacious. So this is unbelievable, unbelievable for, for renters, but also for landlords. It's I mean, I hope a few more in Queensland follow suit. Yeah, so I'll explain. I'll explain what I mean too. Like you know, for those who who are listening, sort of trying to think, well, what you know, I'm not quite understanding this. You're spending another hundred and fifty thousand dollars. Mm. I get it. That's the the hurdle mentally that we've got to get over. But if you if you can just move past that for a moment, let's say you bought a six hundred thousand dollar home, right? You bought a six hundred thousand dollar home. Um, that's one option. Alternatively, let's say you bought the $600,000 home, but you also went and built a granny flat or a Fonzie flat and it cost you $750,000. So, yes, it cost you more, but with the $600,000 home, you've just got your mortgage repayments and that's it. Mm. With the $750,000 spend with the granny flat, you've got your home and another home that you rent out that I reckon would give you at least $420 a week. So I've I've actually used a real-life example Um, (laughs) and it's... It's Jenny down in your office, actually, who's got one of these. $420 a week. She gets for a two-bedroom, one bathroom, one garage, granny flat. Okay. In southern Brisbane. So what that would do is if you got that rent, it would mean that you would take 11 years and three months off the life of your mortgage. Wow. And you'd save $140,000 in interest. So you pay $140,000 less interest than the person who just bought the $600,000 property. And that assumes the rent doesn't even go up from $420 a week. And what's amazing is that you've now got two completely remote, like sort of um, unrelated tenants. So potentially if one moves out and another moves in and there is a bit of time in between, you've still got cash flow coming from one of the dwellings, which well, is yeah. unbelievable. Which is, which to me is the biggest opportunity. Like, what about all the empty nesters out there? People who've had families, the kids have moved out. Yeah, yeah. They've got a lot of space at the moment. Convert the garage, or or convert some space, or build above the garage a granny flat. Get yourself four or five hundred bucks a week, and you're getting twenty to twenty five thousand dollars per annum. It's 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 almost as much as the pension. It's unreal, and and you know what? You know what's interesting too, cuz is the largest growing single living cohort is women over 55 that have basically sort of divorced or um, widowed that, that have nobody um, and, and nowhere to go. So, you know, with that cohort growing and obviously many others, um, like this is this is an opportunity, not not just for a money grab and, and investors, um, but, for, but for pretty much everybody, rent, well, renters and landlords alike. It's pretty unbelievable, I have to say. It's a win-win-win, cheap, cheap rental accommodation, which is the, the most undersupplied at the moment. Mm. Um, it, it provides assistance to people with their mortgages when interest rates are going up and it provides an income in, in retirement or, or later life, you know, for those who, 
who who've sort of done the family thing. It's, it's a yeah, it's a win win win. I love it. Give it a tick of approval from us, from the double shot, a certification. I wanna, I'm, I'm going to build one. I'm going to build one. Who wants to live in my shed? Or, <laughs> in fact, I'm not going to build a shed. I'll build a granny flat. <laughs> Let's just call it the shed. The den. The den. <laughs> that sounds scary. <laughs> it does. It does, sorry. All right. Jeez. Fair bit oh, in this. Uh, yeah, fair oh bit God. in this app. I don't think I've got Ooh. much more to give. I know. Jeez, I've got some numbers to run. <laughs> After this, I have to call the bank too. Actually, that will be interesting, the bank lending on that because um, 100, 150, you know, not a lot, but, you know, I would love to see what, what rent they factor in to, to service that debt. It, it should be favourable considering it'll be a very high yield. Anyway, I know we got to go, but I just I miss you. I don't want you to leave. All I'm right, Cass, that'll do. Have a good weekend. <laughs> Saw you later. Thanks for listening to another episode of The Double Shot with your favourite cousins, Alex and James Fitzgerald. If you've got a burning question or something we absolutely need to talk about on the pod, please write to us. Both of our emails are in the show notes. For little real estate tidbits and a little bit of banter, okay, a lot of banter, you can follow us on the gram. Our handle is thedoubleshot.podcast. That, my friends, is thedoubleshot.podcast. Until next time, think of us when you sit back and sip your next double shot.